We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joining us always is my co-host, Nick Filato. Today we're going to continue our positional breakdown series, looking at the Giants' depth chart prior to training camp, which will begin now in just under two weeks. We're going to see them report. Probably not our first practice for probably another I don't know, 17, 20 days, I would think, somewhere in that range for the first practice that we'll be able to report on, analyze, and move forward with. But for now, we have to break down the depth chart, and so let's do that. And today we're going to look at the off-ball linebackers. On the last podcast, we broke down the edge group. We've done the defensive line, and now we're doing the off-ball linebackers, a position Nick and I have really wanted the Giants to invest in over each of the last two draft classes. Hasn't really worked out in that way. I think overall, the NFL in general, Giants included, probably view this position having less importance than, I'm not saying we do, or as to why me and Nick wanted them to invest. We just think it could be cool to have an excellent inside linebacker to put next to Blake Martinez. It just sounds fun to have a Micah Parsons out there, to have a Jamin Davis out there, to have Akeem Davis Gaither even, if you're looking at a day three guy who we wanted, who was in the last draft class before this one, because the way this defense is set up schematically, those guys could really do a lot of damage based on the interior guys they have in front of them. And so we're going to talk about what they do have today. But before we do that, Nick, how has your week been going since we last spoke? It's been going well, man. It's been going well. Like I always say, just waiting for the New York Giants training camp, man, because it's going to be full steam ahead, dude. And then we have fantasy season coming up, Dan. You know you're going to be excited about that. We're going to be in a fantasy mm-hmm. league together, a dynasty league we're starting. It's yep. going to be really exciting. Yeah, we, me and Nick are going to be uh, competing against each other for the first time in fantasy sports. Now, Nick considers himself an excellent fantasy player. I believe him, but I have yet to see it. I never said that. <laughs> uh, well, you do consider it. You don't have to say it, Nick. We know that you. I know that you consider it. Okay, you don't that's have to fair. say it. Like, okay, just because you're not saying it out loud doesn't mean you think. Just be. You don't have to be humble here. There's no reason to be humble here. You can be uh, yourself, Nick, and you, you're an excellent player. You put a lot of time into it. You put a lot of thought into it. One thing Nick has never been able to embrace, though, when it comes to fantasy, and I know this just from having countless conversations with him about this last offseason he's never been able to embrace the variance that is involved in fantasy football he can understand it he can accept it logically speaking but then 
he'll just complain about it and act as if he doesn't get that there's so much luck involved in the sport of fantasy football. It's just I want the luck to to never or to to not always screw me, you know, because I feel yeah. like for a while it has. And that's where and I've it, had success in fantasy football, but you know, you just hyper focus on the negatives <laughs> yes, a lot. And that's where I I always tell you the the biggest poker player fallacy, they always remember their bad beats, but they never remember the times they bad beat somebody else. And so it always seems like the luck is going against you, but again, I would I would probably argue that variance does tend to come around and you know, luck. It depends, though, man. If you're in a league full of sharps, I'm fine with it. But if okay. you're in a league full of fish who barely know the NFL, which is your home league, basically, which is some of them. Yeah, some of them. Some of them are good. Some of them aren't. And then you're losing to those guys. Then that's where I. I that's where I just lose it because I, I don't like that. But, but there's again, so much, so much luck variance. involved. Exactly. 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 Like, I'm not fully aware of that too. I just want more luck to break for people who deserve the luck instead okay. of people who just click. Reward buttons. me. Reward, Reward me. me. Exactly. That's Nick Flato's <laughs> Fantasy Football 2021, Nick Flato. Reward me. But anyway, we're doing a Dynasty League 2QB, so you guys can track that along. If you're interested in any of this fantasy football talk, because I know some of you aren't just giants, giants, giants. You liked our gambling podcast we did with Elliot Chris. You like some of the fantasy talk we do. Hit us up. Let us know. We'll share some information about those teams when they're drafted. We'll talk to you a little bit about the league, anything like that. We'll mix and match, stuff like that. But for today, we're going to talk Giants linebackers. So let's get started on the big boy here. The best acquisition the Giants have made at the linebacker position in a long damn time, probably since 2005 when Antonio Pierce was signed at a bargain rate in free agency coming off that Washington football team, or at the time Washington Redskins, now the Washington football team, and that's Blake Martinez, who they had to pay a lot more for than they had to pay for Antonio Pierce back in the day, but so far, just well worth the price of admission. In addition to what he offers off the field as a leader, uh, also you know, perfectly meshing with Joe, what Joe Judge wants this team to consist of. He's also the leader on the field, the quarterback of the defense with the headset in, setting the defense up, at least setting the front, you know, the front seven up. Obviously, the back end might go a little differently. There might be other voices involved there in setting up the back end on a play-by-play basis. But then also what he's given on the field, he was just a perfect fit for this Patrick Graham system. So talk to a little bit, uh, talk to us a little bit, Nick, about what you saw from Martinez in year one. Martinez was... Something that we haven't seen in so damn long, Dan, as New York Giants fans. I mean, coming off of Alec Ogletree and transitioning to Blake Martinez is literally night and day. Blake Martinez is always in position. As I've said before on this podcast, he plays that cat and mouse game with running backs really well, where he's he just follows the running back's intentions and on these inside zone type of plays where there are many different uh, places the running back can end up, many dis- different destinations, he follows them really, really well. And the front, the tight front that the Giants like to employ, assists him in doing that. But even when there are uh, secondary blocks, deuce ace blocks that climb up to the second level and get to him, he uses the stack and shed to get uh, these offensive linemen off his chest at a solid manner as well. He scrapes over the top, puts himself into that C gap. If he needs to, he fills the B gap really quickly. He's very, very adept at coming downhill and filling those A gaps. He has no problem in terms of defending the run in pursuit on those stretch runs if he's from the weak side of the formation or the strong side of the formation he gets outside and he makes the tackle in pursuit he's excellent at kind of aiming through his target and driving through to get the tackles I mean it's no mistake that he's had according to pro football reference at least over 140 tackles I think in every season that he's been in the NFL outside of his rookie season in 2016 now a lot of those are assisted tackles or whatever, but I feel like he still just goes overlooked in the grand scheme of linebackers. And I'm not saying he's a top five linebacker in the league. I don't believe that he is, but I do believe just 
with everything the Giants have had at that position since what Antonio Pierce and injured John Beeson, there hasn't been anybody even close to the skill set of Blake Martinez and what he could do from a mental standpoint, from an instinct standpoint, from a filling, his run responsibilities standpoint. And you know what? He may not be the best in man coverage, but you ask him to do zone coverage, he's going to know his assignments. I mean, it's not just, okay, I got to drop to you know a spot and spot drop which there are zone defenses that do that but there are assignments that you need to execute in these certain match type of defenses where you kind of have to wall off somebody coming from the strong side of the formation and not allow him to break into space he has enough athletic ability to keep up with receivers uh, even if it's a slot receiver in the short to intermediate parts of the field and not just be totally exposed now you don't want him carrying the most athletic tight ends up the field and up the seam or some receivers doing that deep obviously not but I still don't think he's as big of a liability as a lot of giant fans thought he was when the Giants went out and they signed him from the Green Bay Packers yeah I mean if you look back and we just think back to a year ago this time how we were viewing Blake Martinez and even before that, in the months prior to this time, maybe the April, May, June months, let's say, it was like night and day. I mean, this was viewed by most NFL analysts across the board as a overpay in free agency by the Giants. It was viewed as a reach signing. He went, although he was, what, three years 30, I believe it was? Three years 31, is that is the, those are the official numbers? Somewhere close to that. Nick's getting up the official numbers. I believe it was three years 30. I believe you're right as well. It was still viewed in a lot of ways as an overpay because, one, he was coming off that really uh, disappointing performance against the 49ers, though, as me and Nick both went and looked back on that game and broke it down, it wasn't all Martinez at all. It was mostly just Kyle Shanahan destroying, what was it, Dom, was Dom Capers running the defense that year? Or who was it? Who was running there? That, that might have been Petten. It was still Petten. Yeah, it was Petten yeah. at the time, not Capers. That was way before that, but... It was really just Shanahan breaking down Petten's run defense and schematically putting it to him in just an absolute beast of a performance by a coach like Kyle Shanahan who has these in him where he could just take over a game as a coach. And so I don't put that on Martinez as much. I think coming over there was a lot made of can this guy be a total li- will this guy be a total liability in pass coverage? Are you just getting are you just giving 3 years 30 million to a guy who can only move forward and stop the run? And that was kind of debunked in year one. Like, yes, he's not going to carry the seam in man. No one really is. Who's going to do that in today's NFL? Like, very few linebackers. But he was able to become a plus defender in a lot of ways, at the very least an average or above average defender, in pass coverage in the system the Giants played. I mean, they used him in a lot of zone, like you talked about, and he did a really good job because he's really aware. If you look at some of the best linebackers over our lifetime, Nick, I'm talking Luke Keekley, for example. Luke Keekley was not some freak athlete. Luke Keekley did not come close to dominating any drill in the combine. Why was he one of the best, if not the best, inside linebackers we've watched in our lifetime? Because of how smart he was. That position requires such a high mental aptitude and so much just like natural instincts, feel, and awareness. And I feel like in that regard, Blake Martinez is top five top 10 across the board he is not the most athletic linebacker by any means but it doesn't really matter and hasn't really impacted him negatively instead he's putting together seasons like the last one where he was arguably and we both made the case for this I believe at one point the most irreplaceable defender on that defense like if you take Blake Martinez off that defense last year and you're just like all right we got David Mayo Tate Crowder and (laughs) Devontae Downs and we need to play two of these guys basically on every snap at minimum one 
The Giants defense could have been an absolute disaster last year without Blake Martinez. So he somehow positioned himself, despite not having the athleticism, despite not really being able to carry in man coverage up the seam, as one of the most irreplaceable players on a defense right now, on a defense that we expect to be top 10 going into this season. So all of those things combined, I just really feel like he completely exceeded any expectations we had for him at any point. Like, I don't. I I never expected him to be as good as he was last year. Neither. Uh, well, I thought he was gonna be better than what Giant fans thought, right. but not that impactful. And again, I think it's Patrick Graham. I don't think it's any coincidence that Patrick Graham got the most out of Blake Martinez, got the most out of James Bradbury, mm-hmm. got the most out of career Leonard, years from both of them. Leonard Williams as well. Three of them. So three of them all had career years. I think a lot of this is because of Patrick Graham, because of coaching. Something. I mean, we know coaches have such a huge impact, but we don't really delve too deep into like positional coaches. We give coordinators their due but I think it's the positional coaches I think it's everything and I think Blake Martinez is a perfect fit for what Patrick Graham wants to do and and he just was one of the most important defensive pieces this team has had in a while and that says a lot and I think you can make the argument about James Bradbury or Leonard Williams but that's a great argument to just have and it's an argument I feel like all these players are contingent on each other obviously but the fact that the Giants are in a position their defense is in a position right now where you can't even name who their top defense like most important most valuable player on that defense is that's a great problem to have bro it is a great problem to have and they're adding more talent year after year i mean aziz ojalari is a really talented prospect for them really good prospect the only reason he was available in the mid-second is because of this year like i said with the covid where the injuries were kind of you had to drop these players because you didn't get a chance to put your team doctors in front of them could ultimately end up meaning nothing. I think that could be the case for Aziz, who had an injury in high school and hasn't impacted him yet since then. You're also adding a Dory Jackson to the mix, who maybe covers better vertically than anyone on this roster. Probably, actually, definitely covers receivers vertically better than anyone on this Giants roster. And in my mind, if you break it down even more specifically, one of the biggest problems this defense had last year, and they didn't have that many problems in general, but one of their problems was that ability to carry receivers vertically. You saw it in the Eagles game that they ended up losing because of it. You saw it in the Cowboys game they ended up losing because of it. And now you have Dory Jackson out there who can carry vertically better than maybe anyone on this roster at corner. The potentially. dude, the dude carried Tyreek Hill vertically yes. well several times in that game. What does that say about? Yeah, I mean Tyreek Hill, the fastest player in the NFL by far on the field speed at least. So they've been adding more talent. It's so funny. Like I talked a few minutes ago, Nick, about how. Going into last season, around this time, the thought was like, oh, this Blake Martinez signing could be like a total reach, a total overspend. What were the Giants thinking? There was a lot of articles written on Bleacher Report, things of that nature about how bad of a signing it was. But it was also the same, the same can also, sorry, it's also true that at this time last season, we viewed it as the Giants offense has more talent and the defense has is going to take a year. I remember us saying like, this defense is going to take at least another year of building on the roster. And it's going to take at least another year to kind of put it all together. Like It wasn't viewed as a very talented defense by us heading into last season. Not at all. And ultimately, the defense completely carried the offense last season. And that was without Lorenzo <laughs> Carter and without O'Shane yeah. Zanez. Like We thought going into the year that the edge position was terrible. <laughs> like We're right. like, yeah, Lorenzo Carter could have a breakout, but we're still you know relying on something that we haven't necessarily seen yet. Then he gets injured in the beginning of the season. O'Shane goes down, and they still finish top 12 in sacks. Right. In addition to being a defense that can in any given Sunday like we saw against Seattle completely shut down an offense that before that was hot and has arguably one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL and Russell Wilson so this defense is ascending it's crazy kind of how fast it happened to me Nick just because I remember looking at the roster last year like this defense is nowhere close we're so far behind on defense and that just shows 
how quickly a team can change with good coaching. That's like why it's one of the reasons why we were so you know, willing and open to moving on from Garrett after just one year because we saw how poorly of a job he did executing an offense and we know just the upside to getting somebody in there who can execute an offense. Like to me, for example, like dealing with Alex Smith and uh, Kyle Allen as your quarterbacks and that entire offensive line situation, which was pretty ugly as well. Not a single skill player worth anything outside of McLaurin and Tony Gibson. And yet Scott Turner found a way to generate offense with the Washington football team last year. And I guarantee you that Washington football team is going to generate a lot of offense this year. People don't expect it. They're not seeing it coming. Everyone's down on Ryan Fitzpatrick, even though I think he's better than people think. And they added enough weapons. And that's what a good coordinator can do for you on both sides of the ball. And it's clear that what Patrick Graham did for this Giants defense far exceeded anyone's expectations. Far exceeded my expectations. And I, we did a whole podcast before last season, probably around this time last year, maybe in June, about how, what Patrick Graham could end up bringing. We expected a little bit more man coverage. And I think maybe Patrick Graham was going to do that. But then he realized and he adjusted. And that's what you do. You adjust to your personnel. You don't have your personnel adjust to you. Right. He played a lot more zone coverage, added a lot of trap coverages on the back end. And what ended up happening? They ended up causing turnovers. And the defense played well above what we all expected. And I think Blake Martinez was a huge part of that. I mean, according to Pro Football Focus, he was sixth in stops tied with Bobby Wagner. And stops is a stat that basically measures at least run stops it measures a negative plays for the offense and that's just because of the scheme but it's also because of Blake Martinez those two things are definitely with each other in really good company up there with Miles Jack, Roquan Smith, Joe Schobert. So Bobby Wagner, as you mentioned, who he's just ahead of. Zach Cunningham has really come along well for the Texans. He was somebody who I liked coming into the draft, just a random thing. And, I, Same and it here. took him a yeah. while to get going because he was kind of slow in his first season. I remember that. But yeah, interesting. So let's see behind Blake Martinez. And we forgot to do, let's start, let's track backtrack a bit here, Nick. Because we forgot to do mm-hmm. our ranking on a 1 to 10 scale of the Giants linebackers, second level defenders, we'll call them. Versus the rest of the NFL. So before we do that, though, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, Nick, scale of 1 to 10, rank the Giants' second-level linebackers, not edge included, versus the rest of the NFL. So versus the rest of the NFL, I think the NFL, uh, like you mentioned a little bit earlier, undervalues this position. We know teams like the Eagles have done that for so many years because every year the draft rolls around, the pundits of the draft say, oh, the Eagles are going to target linebacker, and they seem to never do that. So I'm going to go with, because mainly Blake Martinez is just how good he is, 
I think I'm going to go with a five here. I think I'm just going to split the difference, have it go five. It's mainly because of Blake Martinez. I think Tay Crowder can be a, a solid player. We'll get into him. Uh, Carter Coffin, we're not even sure if he could play linebacker. And then you have Devontae Downs still on the roster. I mean, there's no more David Mayo, which... Is a, which is a good thing because he definitely took a huge step back. I like the addition of Reggie Raglan, but I think five is a fair grade, mostly just because of the presence of Blake Martinez, who I feel like is a top 10 to 12 linebacker in the league. Yeah, I think that's fair. I'm probably going to go 5.5 just because I think ultimately you're at this stage of where the NFL teams are moving and where defenses are moving. You don't need too many linebackers on your roster. Only a few are going to see and max two are going to see the field on any given snap at this point, especially with the defensive giants are running. Like they're just going to have safeties instead of them, or they're going to have edge guys on the field instead of them. So they don't really need too many. And Blake is like you said, one of the 12 best, I think in the NFL for sure, maybe even better than that. They don't. I don't really like their depth behind Blake. I'm not a Taker Outer guy. I think he's okay. He can be solid in the system, but I think they can stand for an upgrade there. I like Reggie Raglan. We're going to get to him later. I think that could be one of their low-key smart signings of the offseason. Brunson, Downs, and now Carter Coughlin converting over to the inside to kind of keep that roster spot possible for him. Those guys, again more fringe players i thought maybe that we'd see cam brown on the inside a bit more but we didn't see that as much in season one so really i think the depth is an issue still here but i'll give it a five five because of blake i think that's fair the depth is definitely an issue but like we've been saying for the entire year they have no issue dropping jabril peppers into the box i think they'll do it more with xavier mckinney see logan ryan there Mm -hmm. sometimes not all that often but that's mainly a role for jabril and i think we're going to see aaron robinson doing that same thing yeah, and Robinson, that's interesting if you also see Robinson in that regard because we've seen it in the past. Even Holmes has done decent sometimes when asked to kind of play that role or a role similar to it. And it just goes to show how little you need these second-level, you know, traditional linebackers when you could mix and match different types of safeties and corners for that matter, especially if you're considering someone like Robinson, a slot corner, which he is, uh, in those roles. So let's see, let's see in your mind right now who would you consider to be the – LB2, the linebacker two, going into training camp for the Giants. I think this is one of the underrated battles heading into training Mm -hmm. camp between Tay Crowder and Reggie Raglan. I think Tay Crowder is going to get the proverbial first kick at the can, similar to how we feel about Matt Pear over Nate Solder, but it actually might be a pretty similar battle. And if one of these players can outperform the other, then I think that player can realistically steal that spot. Now, Tay Crowder, I feel like he had way too many missed tackles. He had a 16.1% missed tackle rate last year. And my biggest issue with him, Dan, was he allowed a lot of catches behind his back. He was high load constantly. And we saw it against with DeAndre Hopkins against Arizona. We saw it with Mark Andrews against Baltimore. We saw it with the Rams as well. And I think we saw it with Washington where there was a deep horizontal cross coming from the opposite side of the field and it wasn't passed off well between Blake Martinez and Tay Crowder and he had no he just didn't he didn't have the spatial awareness or just the overall right. awareness to know that there was a route behind him and there was a you know running back leaking out into the flat and he started you know going up towards the flat and then he allowed a 30 40 yard catch behind him. We didn't see a lot of those in 2020. 
Now, the biggest one that comes to mind was one that David Mayo did that same exact thing where he bit on a play action against Washington, like ran up to the line of scrimmage and then started scrambling to run to get to Terry McLaurin, who was running a deep over. Terry McLaurin makes the catch. Isaac Yadam misses the tackle, and Terry McLaurin runs for a touchdown, I want to say it was. Yeah. That was the biggest one. That was David Mayo, not Tay Crowder. But Tay Crowder was also guilty of this, and offensive coordinators were realizing this. If they had enough time to um, to pick apart you know, seven or eight men in, that would drop, because sometimes that happened with eight men. I think it happened with Seattle once and in a similar way. I think that might have been Darnay Holmes, though, not, not Tay Crowder. But Tay Crowder just allowed that to happen way too often, and that, that just – you cannot allow that because it just leads to explosive plays and explosive plays is how you win football games. So that's something that I really want Tay Crowder to get better with. Yeah, it's interesting. I think heading into camp, he probably is the linebacker too, but I don't think it, it's a, I think it's tenuous at best hold on that grip for a lot of the reasons you mentioned. The awareness can improve. Some of it might be natural instincts that won't improve or can improve in my mind, but some of it is probably just he's not used to playing this specific role. Like I'm sure at Georgia, he wasn't asked to do this as often as, as what they were Giants were asking him to, specifically what you just mentioned there with his responsibilities to, in coverage. Now, having said that, the missed tackles, those are unacceptable. You can't have a second level defender missing tackles. That If that doesn't improve, he'll just immediately be off the field, I believe, in a Joe Judge defense. I don't think they're looking for a player who has consistent tackling issues. I don't think he offered much as a pass rusher. I think a lot of his quote-unquote moments that Giants fans talked about or that we discussed last season were really just kind of like those Nico Lalos type moments where he's just in the right place at the right time, which is a skill in some people's minds, but also just a little bit of variance and luck-based when he's you know making this interception here or recovering this fumble there. Uh, now, I also think that if he wants to stay on the field, he's going to have to probably offer something as a pass rusher, too, for the Giants. I mean, they're probably looking to find different ways to rush the passer now that they probably feel more comfortable on the back end with their coverage. So that could help him in that regard because he probably has an edge over a Reggie Ragland type. But if you ask me right now, I'm probably going to say that Reggie Ragland will ultimately beat him out and play more snaps than Crowder this season that would be my prediction now it doesn't seem that way because what did Crowder play like 58 in week 17 57 in week 16 he was starting to play a lot of snaps down the stretch run for the Giants and some of that was attrition they didn't have many linebackers to put instead of him but ultimately I feel like his role on the roster is a bit tenuous I am looking at Reggie Ragland because I have higher expectations for Raglan than I guess most of the Giants fans do, or in general, most people do for Reggie Raglan. He was a really good prospect when he came out. I remember I was interested in the Giants potentially drafting him. Obviously, his NFL career hasn't gone as expected entirely. It hasn't been perfect for him. Most recently spent time in Detroit, which has some similar defensive similarities. Not fully, but you know, some ideas, some principles, similar to how they got Danny Shelton. When he first came out... Um, What's his name who does the prospect evaluations? Lance Zerline for NFL.com actually gave him a Pro Bowl talent level grade on him and said basically he's your traditional thumper to thumper inside backer, but also who has underrated pass rushing skills. And that's what I thought he showed at Alabama. Hasn't been able to show it as well in the NFL, though. Did look solid in that guard in 2018 with Kansas City. That's really where he's had his best seasons, I believe, in Kansas City. Last year was not his best season, but. Again, still not that old of a player. I mean, what is he right now? He's entering his age 27 season, age 28 season, so still potentially has a chance for room to grow. I think in general, he's a better version of what May offers, and I think in my mind, I'd almost rather have him out there with his knowledge, with his awareness, with his spatial awareness, with his instincts, specifically his linebacker instincts, over a player like Crowder. 
I don't think that's completely unfair. And we saw last year with Detroit, they started using him a lot more in those blitz packages that Matt Patricia likes to run. He had 21 pressures last year. They used him a little bit on the edge, if I remember from my film Career study. high 21 pressures. Yeah, because they did use him on the edge, similar to what the Giants had to do with David Mayo more because there were a lot of injuries with the position. But this is a clear upgrade, in my opinion, over David Mayo. It's an upgrade over Devontae Downs. You want Reggie Ragland on the field over both those players. And both those players ended up seeing a lot of snaps last year for the New York Giants, unfortunately. But the Tay Crowder argument, that's going to be an interesting one because Tay Crowder, this guy was Mr. Irrelevant. I think it was awesome what he was able to do as Mr. Irrelevant last year. He actually had an impact on this defense, but that spot's up for grabs, and Tay Crowder's going to have to earn it in training camp, in preseason, and I think Reggie Ragland is coming for it. Ultimately, I think Crowder's going to get the first shot out, or first shot at it, but he may end up, you know, making one or two big mistakes in week one, week two, and then you're going to see Ragland start stealing those snaps because he is a professional who has been around the game for a while, went to, um, Alabama had the the whole Nick Saban tree. You know, there's a connection between Joe Judge and Nick Saban. I think that could possibly play into it as well. But Ragland's going to have to prove himself on the football field, and he can do that. And again, like we've said several times on this podcast, it's not like the Giants are going to always have two linebackers out there. It's going to be Blake Martinez or drop Jabril Peppers down. They're going to run six DBs sometimes. So it's not going to be a complete necessity to have them play a full complement of snaps. And I believe some portions of the game you're going to see Raglan and then others you're going to see Tay Crowder and Patrick Graham may give both of them the ability to see the field yeah and ultimately like you said this isn't going to be a defense that's running a lot of linebackers out there this is a unit that's the least important to the roster in my mind entirely this linebacker corps but that corpse yeah the linebacker core <laughs> but you know we should talk a little bit about Devontae Downs still on the roster TJ Brunson anything you have to add on them The only way I want Devontae Downs to make this roster is if they value his special teams to a level that I feel like they're, that I don't feel like they don't actually value him as much with his special teams. He can play special teams, but how many guys are we going to sit there and be like, oh, this guy's going to make the roster because of his special teams ability? I mean, I feel like we say that quite often. Downs is one of those players who did play a lot of special team snaps because he was a fringe linebacker type, but there are so many other defenders that intrigue me more than a player like Devontae Downs, who had a legitimate shot last year, saw the field 233 times, and he proved to be a liability a lot of the times, missing a decent amount of tackles at a 12.9 missed tackle rate. And he had a couple plays that I think we applauded him for, but then there were the mistakes in coverage and just the athletic limitations. So he's definitely a player that I feel like is on the fringe and would really have to have a really good training camp to crack this roster. And then TJ Brunson, I feel like is just going to get relegated to the practice squad. He's somebody who can step up on special teams if you need him to, but there's just a lot of depth on this team right now. And I don't think guys like Downs and Brunson are exactly have a clear track to the roster yeah i think that's fair entirely okay and then that brings us to the wild card on the roster that's carter coughlin who was not an inside backer last year did not profile as an inside linebacker coming into the nfl after playing on the edge at minnesota though with his short arms and just lack of length overall and lack of size i think he's 245 pounds it makes more sense that if he were to make it long term in the nfl it might be changing positions And it seems, based on OTAs at least, that the Giants are interested in having Coughlin change positions. He took some reps during OTAs with the inside linebacker group. That's the first group that he came out with. 
I see like more upside in him than a Brunson type than a Downs type to some extent even than a Tate Crowder who I'm not as big on as again like a lot of Giants fans and a lot of what I see on Giants Twitter regarding Tate Crowder for me when I watched the film I did not think Crowder was very good last year so Coughlin intrigues me a little bit because I think he's a smart player I think he's a heady player I think he can rush the passer decently and I'm interested to see if he can make this transition. Same here. Crowder, the thing about Crowder that's interesting, though, is he did have some plays down the stretch of the season in Week 17 against Dallas, a really, really important game where he really flashed and he was putting himself into great position to make tackles, whether that be outside of the box, in the C, the D gap, or in the interior. And I felt like he actually showed some good spatial awareness working through trash or working through traffic in those areas. It just wasn't overly consistent, specifically in the beginning of the season. But with Carter Coughlin, if he prove that he can come in and actually learn how to read his keys and stack and shed which is going to be really difficult for someone with shorter arms who doesn't necessarily like we said profile as a linebacker it's one of those things man but I just don't know how that's going to translate Carter Coughlin at the linebacker position but I would love to have a player who can do both of those things at least adequately enough you don't need to put him on the field unless injuries happen like they did in 2020 You don't need to put him out there all that often. So I think if he can play edge, cool. Hopefully he doesn't have to. If he can play linebacker, that's great. Just be a special teams core player, that's also awesome. But I love the fact that there are these versatile type of players. I don't want to see what happened to the Giants last year where you were putting true linebackers on the edge. And I think a lot of that was game plan oriented. I think they were playing the... They were playing a team like the Baltimore Ravens who run a lot of power gap off the edge and they wanted a just somebody who can hammer the lead guy and just take him out of the play. And that's what David Mayo was doing, but then so many other things went wrong there. Carter Coughlin's not going to be that guy either. But I mean, I in terms of the argument between Tay Crowder and Carter Coughlin, I think I'd prefer Tay Crowder, obviously, as linebacker. But I just maybe am not super high on Carter Coughlin actually developing into the linebacker that we hope he possibly could. Yeah, I think they're both, to me, they're both flyers. Coughlin, Crowder, you know, TJ Brunson, Cam Brown, all four of those players could be on the roster this year or could not be on the roster. I can see any of those four players getting cut in camp. It's not to say I think they will be. It's to say that I can see it happening. These are still really, really late into day three picks. They're dart throws in a lot of ways, and some of them flash more than others in year one. That's fine. I think a little bit, of, like I mentioned, of Crowder's quote-unquote flash was a bit overrated compared to even someone like Brown, who to me, like what Brown was able to do on some of those third downs from a pressure standpoint is ultimately maybe more of a flash in the pan for me than anything Crowder did. Like occasionally Crowder was in a no kit, was in a solid spot and made a play on the ball. But that's not the same to me as like having, you know, that, that to me is not a consistent trait that I think I can bank on over and over again. I'm not saying Coughlin showed that, but at times I thought Brown flashed at least a little bit in that regard. And so we'll see. I'm not really high on any of these backers outside of Blake Martinez on the roster. Um, and again, I think Reggie Ragland play a solid role, like a better version of David Mayo. And ultimately, it's going to come down to the rest of the defense carrying this linebacker group, with the exception of Blake, who kind of stays in the middle, plays his role really well, makes plays on the football coming downhill, is okay, especially in zone coverage. And that's enough. Like In today's NFL, you don't need to have three second-level linebackers making an impact on every single play. No, you don't. And that's, and again, I the only way I want to see a Carter Coughlin and them on the field, I, I mean, I don't want to see it. I think the only way they get on the field is because of those injuries, which we really hope to avoid. Not yeah, hopefully support. the Giants can stay healthy. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you to everyone for tuning in to the Big Blue Banter New York Giants football podcast. As always, if you want to help us grow, 
Head over to iTunes, leave us a rating and review. We did get a new one recently, thank God. Hasn't been many lately, but it was from GGNY877, who said these guys are good. The Giants should hire them. That sounds good. I'll take a job with the Giants. That was on 712. Thank you for that. As always, please head over to Instagram, follow us there at NY Big Blue Banter, and then YouTube Big Blue Banter over there on the YouTube. Going to read a review from our buddy here. Austrian Giants, it is our buddy Patrick from Austria, who agrees with something that also Christian Herrera and David Hattleman, all three, have DM'd me since saying they would love to uh, for us to do a podcast breaking down the different coverages that we hinted about yesterday, so we might do that. He also asked if there's any way to leave a rating from the Austrian iTunes store. I think you should definitely try, and you said it will come in in German. Um, I actually am half German, but I can't speak it, so I'll try my best to translate. And then lastly, you made this whole thing over here, Patrick, about how Americans always butcher these foreign food names. It's called prosciutto, he says, with an O at the end. He said, prosciutto, seriously? Nick must be the most non-Italian Italian ever. I mean, I know how to pronounce hamburger. It's uh, it's pretty like common though within Italian Americans to say prosciutto. Like, I think everybody says yeah. say prosciutto. I think that's yeah, just that's, what it is. This is Captain Literal Man right here. That's that's, <laughs> that's who we're dealing with right now. Patrick, Patrick on the Captain hot Literal. seat. Patrick, we put you on the hot seat, buddy. All right, everybody, thanks again for tuning in. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you soon.